Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm uh, amateur plumbing expert Woody Womack, joined on the phone from Miami by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going today? Everything around here is up to code, up to snuff. It's great. Everything in Miami rules right now. There's no hurricanes. Uh, nothing, nothing wild's happening. And back in the saddle again in uh, te- Texas, our, our resident cowboy, Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Guys, late last night. Uh, you missed a great chance to lead with Howdy. Oh, howdy. Uh, Late last night, I saw a story that the Columbus Crew soccer team in Major League Soccer may move to Austin in 2019. So I might have to I might have to be saddled up here for a while. I'm going to have to, you know, buy a ranch and uh, load the stable up with horses and buy some season tickets. Well, I saw that story. I saw that story, and I think that's posturing. That Columbus is one of the best fan bases, isn't it? Why would they move the team out of there? Because it's not, you know, it's not, it's not really good to have a team in a city named after such a problematic uh, historical figure. Oh, jeez, here we go <laughs> with the liberal propaganda right, <laughs> right out of the gate. Boy, more like Columbus screwed if the team leaves, huh? More like, more like the, more like the indigenous people crew. <laughs> okay all right boy didn't take long to get off the rails this week uh we want to remind you please check us out on itunes uh, or on apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days any type of podcast app leave us a review uh tell your friends as i mentioned it's much easier to leave reviews on itunes now i've been doing uh, a lot of it for the podcasts i listen to so please help us out it helps with placement and promoting the show now, we're going to jump right into the picks, as we've been doing during the season. That's what people want to hear, to see how many games I can get wrong. Once again, as I mentioned, uh, Rob and I did the same picks last week. Bad move, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great, Bob. Yeah, I go uh, one and two on the weekend. So does Rob. Nick, two and one. Uh, so that raises uh, Rob still in the lead, 14 and eight on the year. Uh, Nick, you're at 500, 11 and 11. And I fall to seven and fifteen, so I continue to just be abysmal. I think I'm like eleven and twenty-five in the other the other picks thing. So seven and fifteen is tough, man. That's like you know, there's a level of bad and being under five hundred. Then there's like bad where it's almost like you're trying. Well, we're di- we're discounting the strategy that some of us use uh, to separate ourselves from each other during this this pick segment. It's not necessarily reflective of. Woody's actual football acumen. Well, I don't think to, picks are, are are reflective of anybody's acumen. I mean, we're picking eighteen-year-old players. And I'd say I'd say mine's pretty accurate. I really don't know as much as I do know. That's that's <laughs> about an accurate. Well, assessment. not to mention, if I was, you know, hypothetically going to gamble on football games, I wouldn't bet these marquee matchups. You know what I mean? I would be going off the beaten path. That's where uh, you find value. I'll tell you how you win. How you win is to only bet UCF. That's it. They cover every week. The spread's 35. They're going to cover it. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's easy money. It's like a bonus. You wouldn't turn away a bonus. All right, exactly. So that's Rob's advice. All right, now we're going to jump into the picks. The first one, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State, a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite here. Boy, this seems like uh, the worm has turned on our boy Jim Harbaugh. People, uh, you know, talking about how he's the same record as Butch Jones in the last 10 games. Why aren't they winning? Personally, I think it's obviously too early for any of that talk. I think they're uh, headed in the right direction. But nine and a half, I don't know. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to take Michigan to cover. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think these Big Ten games tend to be close, and that's a, that's a lot of points. Uh, Nick, how about you? Hey, uh, come back to me in one second. <laughs> okay. Rob? Um you know, I was kind of torn on this, but now that you've picked Michigan, I will 100% take James Franklin and Penn State. <laughs> That's the thing. You have to factor that in when I pick first. Yeah, just it, fade, it, fade Womack is my second bit of advice after a bit UCF. Right. Uh, okay, Nick, what do you got? I'm going to take Penn State. Oh, baby. All right. I'm out on a limb here. I could see them blowing him out, but I think Michigan does have a good defense. I think it's going to be a classic, you know, 20 to nine big 10 game or whatever when you say classic big 10 game you mean game that makes me want to go to sleep right i always say that they should if if they could only switch to where the exciting pac-12 games that are like in the 40s are on at noon to start the day and then when you're trying to fall asleep you've got you know iowa northwestern on (laughs) (laughs) you could easily doze off um all right, game number two, USC at Notre Dame. Now, this one's kind of tricky because Notre Dame's had some injury issues. Uh, uh, their quarterback, Brandon Wimbush, has been out. I believe he's expected back. And guess what? I've been, not, I've been out on USC 
for most of the year. But uh, Nick, we're going to let you pick this one first since you went last 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 time. I, I'm with you. I think you know USC just seems like they're just kind of just barely getting through games. I've I've never been a, a big fan of uh, Sam Darnold um, relative to other people's uh, opinion of him. So I'm going to take Notre Dame. Okay, uh, I'm also going to take Notre Dame, and I think. It's interesting, you know, when they lost that game to Georgia, everyone was just kind of like, oh, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly should be fired. But they lost by one point, and Georgia's just murdering everyone else. So it's possible that Notre Dame is actually good. Um, Rob, what do you think? I think Notre Dame probably is actually good. And I also have a lunatic friend, one of these lunatic gambler gambler types that – swears that he's invented a computer system to get over on Vegas <laughs> and his computer system uh, says that Notre Dame uh, is going to cover this. So I, I, I side with my lunatic friend. All right. That's a three-way for the old, uh, for the old uh, Irish there. Now this one, the bonus pick is we only have two top 25 matches, Boy, there's been some, there's been some weak slates the last few weeks. Uh, obviously we've had some upsets, but not, not a lot of big time matchups. We're going to go off the board and go to Oklahoma State at Texas. Um, the Texas man himself, Nick, we went to a Big 12 pick for you. So uh, you start us off. You know, I like it, it, it's tough. It's tough to gauge on what's going on with Texas because they, they keep they, they, they keep hanging around in these close games. They keep putting themselves in just the right spot. Uh, you know, we saw them almost, you know, win against Oklahoma last week. But um you know, I, I, I just wonder like at what point they're, that's going to catch up with them where they're just going to, they're going to have like close game fatigue and uh, it's, it's either going to go one way or the other with them. And I, I have liked Oklahoma State a lot this season, so I'm going to pick them, but this isn't one that I feel good about. Ooh, boy. Uh, I'm also going to take Oklahoma State. They're minus seven and a half. I don't know if I said that. But I, th- I think they're going to be able to score. Texas defense has gotten a lot better, but, you know, I like Mason Rudolph. I like I like Oklahoma State. Rob and I loved him earlier in the year. Obviously, I picked him to make it to the playoffs, so I'm going to pick him to keep winning. Rob, what do you think? I'm on the horns, man. I I was impressed. Uh, you know, I know they lost Oklahoma in the Red River game, but I thought that game showed that maybe this team is ready to take the next step forward and be a team that can compete with that upper echelon of the Big 12. Uh, I'll, I'll take the horns. I think they might win this game outright. Oh my boy! Take the old, take the old uh, money line. I'm sure that's a that's a valuable bet uh, if I could figure out how to find it on the internet. So those are our picks for the week. As I mentioned, if you're smart, you go with Rob. If you're dumb, you listen to me, who's the worst picker in the history of the well, world. The thing is, season. I mean, we all regress to the mean, right? So I had a bad week last week. I'm due to have another one. Like I'm due to finish 500. So this could be the beginning of a long, hard fall for your boy. All right, so let's jump into the topics. We've got all types of things going on. Uh, active time of year. We, we start out Nebraska. They hire a new athletic director. They reach out to Washington State and hire Bill Moose, who I believe was the athletic director at Oregon maybe when I was a kid. Um, also had a son who was a football recruit at some point. He's the guy who kind of is responsible for resurrecting Washington State's football program and by you know going to get Mike Leach to do that, kind of building the bridge with Nike to get some different stuff out there and kind of reinvigorating things up in Pullman. Not an easy place. We've talked about it to, to win games. Uh, so what do we think about this hire? I think, you know, I didn't get a chance to really survey Nebraska's fans' reaction to it, but this is a guy with ties to the West Coast, ties to the Pac-12, and it may sort of complicate the situation with Mike Riley because obviously these guys are going to know each other having both been you know, in close proximity in Oregon. So, Rob, what was your take when you first saw Bill Moose? And did it, you know, did it jump to like a lot of people did? Okay, Mike Leach is coming to to Lincoln. You know, I don't. I've, I've got a long, complicated take on this that goes in a couple of different directions because I've got a little bit of a unique perspective. Because I don't know if you read all the stuff with you know how he didn't tell the university president he was leaving, and the university president had to find out on Twitter because they had a strained relationship. I worked with that university president when I was covering K State. He was the president at K State. He is notorious to being a meddler in athletics. Uh, is kind of standoffish with athletics. He had some problems with Frank Martin and Bill Snyder when he was there. So with no go-between now between him and Leach, I could see Leach getting antsy. Uh, he's not exactly an athletic-based president. I, this athletic director hire will be interesting. 
the other direction of this is, does Nebraska want Mike Leach? I mean, what ha- they want Scott Frost. He's an alum. He's doing amazing things at UCF. This is now the UCF podcast, apparently. They want him, right? So I think <laughs> if your first hire is to go in the other direction of an alum that your fan base loves and wants right now, uh, and has made the case to be the head coach at Nebraska, to go get even a good coach like Mike Leach, I think that's going to rub some people the wrong way. So he's going to be faced with a choice here. Uh, I think both of those guys may be interested in that job. Leach, who knows, maybe not. But I think Frost for sure will be. Uh, and if Frost wants the job and he doesn't hire him and it doesn't go well, that <laughs> I mean, there's your legacy right there, right? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because as I'm looking, researching our boy uh, Moose here, it says he left Oregon in 2007 after a dispute with Nike founder Phil Knight. So, boy, how about that? He's got, we got Bill Moose is getting in more arguments than me with his with his coach. <laughs> he's what he is a university president. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, as I mentioned, he did get the deal uh, at Washington State with Nike, so I guess they they repaired that, but. Yeah, you're right. You do make some you do make some valid points here. I think, you know, Nebraska is a place it's kind of like, you know, some, it's like any of these blue blood programs like Michigan or whatever. They put more emphasis on bringing in a guy who is who is from there or who has ties to the program. So, you know, Moose has been a entirely, you know, West Coast guy pretty much. I mean, he was at Washington State, Montana, Oregon and Washington State again. So, I don't know. I mean, uh do you think it would really – do you think Frost would be like, okay, I don't know Bill Moose. I'm not going to take a job at my alma mater. No, I think he would take it. I'm oh. just saying what if Moose neglects to do that and hires Leach instead of even exploring the option of Frost? Then it doesn't go well. Then the crazy Nebraska fans are up in arms, rightfully so, because, hey, you had an alum who's one of the hottest young head coaches in the country and you ignored him to go get your guy. Uh, that's putting your neck out pretty early, I think. Uh, I think – yeah, I don't think Frost is going to be turned off by it. I think – you know, what if Moose is like, you know, I want to get my own dude. Yeah, that's that is an interesting that is interesting. Nick, what do you think? I mean, you know, we we we've talked about the potential of you know Riley being fired, and I think I think it'd be a situation where he might just retire. I mean, I, I don't really know, but the, the next hire is going to happen. Whether it's this year, <laughs> go back to. I don't think that's going to happen. The third time. Uh, yeah, exactly. I. Do do you think that that Moose was the right guy? I mean, did you get any type of reaction in the the your neck of the country there in the heartlands? Might might be a little too early for me to to say anything uh, educated about that, but I think in the conversation between Frost and and Leach, I don't I don't I think it's a no brainer to go with Frost. I I just think when you when you look at the when when you look at the situation between the two of them, I think Leach likes his setup in Washington State. I think. That I think that football program and that scene out there has kind of adapted itself well to his personality. I just think it's a great fit out there at this point for him just to stay out there. When you look at when you look at Frost and you're talking about the element that he's an alum, you look at what he's done uh, at UCF and the possibility of of coming back and you know kind of zapping some juice into that Nebraska program that's thirsty for it. I mean, when you look around in the Big Ten and you look at what Brahms done at Purdue. Um, you know, just just the the immediate infusion of offense and what it could mean in that conference and and especially what what it takes to keep up with some of the heavy hitters in that conference, the Ohio States and the Penn States and the guys that can really put some points up on you. You know, I, I obviously Leach can do that in his offense. But, um, you know, I think I think having. I think when you look at the way that Nebraska's recruited too, and so, sort of the demographic of recruits that they've tried to appeal to, I think Frost is going to be a guy that is going to be able to connect with those sorts of players on a on a more consistent level uh, than a Mike Leach would. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's that they should hire Leach. I'm just saying that this guy, because of his background, we know ads like their guys. Uh, just like coaches like their guys. Coaches like what's familiar to them. Coaches tend to panic when the guy that hired them brought them in. And that goes against coaches. I mean, the guy that hired me at Rivals left for a while, and I didn't like that. I think this goes to all industries, right? When the guy that hires you and believes in you leaves, uh, there's part of you that wants to look around, right? You get a little antsy. Uh, I think that well, they should but hire the, Frost, the, but I think that Leach would be open to hearing from them. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much stock you can put on. I think I saw somewhere that Leach already had commented on saying that he's you know not thinking about the Nebraska job which he has to say obviously but um but I I think at some point you know if you're an athletic director or or a boss or a supervisor at any level you know at some point you know I mean yeah yeah you know you got your guys and you like your guys but if it's not going to be an easy switch 
you know, at the end of the day, you still just want to do a good job overall, especially at a, um, you know, at a big uh, institution uh, like like Nebraska's uh, football program is. Well, I, I think it, you know, obviously provides us with something to talk about. I think it's a it's a really nice uh, story for to follow because there's a lot of intrigue here. And, and you know, as Rob mentioned, and we talked about this before, you know, we love Riley. I, I personally think he should get another year, but you cannot risk Scott Frost going somewhere else. I mean, everybody wants him. I mean, you go on the Tennessee site and it's just nonstop. They've already, you know, picked out his house and... <laughs> everybody knows realtors that are licking in the area right they've really got it all set up for uh for frost so everyone's gonna want this guy you know i went to ucf so if, you know scott frost take your time make sure it's the right fit for you <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> sure you know i understand the stadium is rusting and falling apart but you know stay we'll covering get, those 30 point spreads at ucf we'll get it, are, are there really are there really problems that I mean, that's a, that's a relatively new stadium, but well, I've been, I, I have been there and it does feel just like a bigger, like a bowl high school stadium. Right, exactly. Well, $14 million in repairs needed, um, which, you know, had you spent that on, on the front end to build it, you wouldn't have those issues. So, uh, the, you know, the, the, the UCF AD at that time, he's he's moved up to several different jobs. Maybe we should talk to him about these issues. Um, but anyway. Fix the stadium. It's a really good time to be in the market for a head coach, isn't it, this year? I mean, it seems like there's going to be a surplus of guys that are floating around out there available to the public for the first time in a long time. I think that if you're thinking about getting rid of your coach, I mean, not that I'd ever advocate firing anybody. And I also think Riley should get another year. A good guy and I think is a good coach. A little too soon on him. But, I mean, boy, it's a good time to be in the market. It's a great time to be a search firm. Uh, getting paid a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. You have to look at like the list of guys that we've already mentioned on this podcast. It's a real tough job. All right, let's move on to talk about uh, Tennessee. We mentioned it there shortly. Uh, we have we've had another another up and down week. Uh, John Gruden, you know the rumor du jour in terms of the coaching candidate for the Vols was in town to visit his son, who goes to Tennessee. So, boy, the timing of that. Oh, he's spotted on campus. Then you had. It was like the alumni weekend, so you had all types of, you know, former Tennessee players in town for the South Carolina game. So, so many rumors. Tennessee loses to South Carolina in kind of a heartbreaking fashion uh, as they drove all the way down the field at the end and couldn't score. Now they lose a they lose another commitment, Lynn J. Dixon, who's a three-star running back. Uh, you know, the guy that's uh, highly coveted, though. I mean, his ranking may not match his uh, offer list, as fans often tell us. Uh, that comes on the heels of them losing two other commits, Brendan Harris and Jatavius Harris, who, depending on who you ask, you know, when they decided to look around, Tennessee was like, all right, you know, see you later. Um, but at the same time, as, as we always talk about the perception of losing commits, lo- you know, basically it's kind of a, it's kind of a madhouse. So, um, Rob kind of wanted to talk about this and, and, you know, we want to touch on it as well in, in reference to the, the kids decommitting, but you know, Butch Jones has become almost this, you know, national punching bag among the media. He's the, you know, he's the, is the, is a hot dog, a sandwich of uh, coaches right now. So <laughs> Rob, what was your take on that? The way, the way that Butch has kind of been getting treated by the national media, it seems like every, every week something comes out of his press conference where people are making fun of him and, and stuff like that. So, so, so yeah, defend your boy. Everybody's got to get them likes, right? That's what everybody's after. It's like, oh, Butch Jones says they need to score touchdowns. How can I twist this to make him sound stupid and get them retweets? I And I tweeted this. I don't understand when we decided that Butch Jones is the only football coach that says meaningless, stupid things. Like These are guys that constantly sit when asked to describe a player, say, well, you know, he's just a football player. It's like, yeah, well, no crap. You know, you didn't recruit a bull or him. Congratulations. I, I don't, he's not the only one. Coaches, I, I could make a list of 20 different things. Coaches say they're meaningless and dumb every week, but yet we've decided because Butch Jones's program is kind of faltering that we're going to make him a punching bag. And it's easy, you know. It's like, uh, like I said, I've said this before. I've used this metaphor before. It's like making fun of the Kardashians. What can I tweet that people are going to retweet and like that is universally agreed with? I will tweet that the Kardashians are stupid, and that's kind of what Butch Jones has turned into. It's like who can get their Butch jokes off first, and if it's accurate or not, nobody cares because you know it's just Butch Jones. He's you know he's a lame duck coach, and it's easy to make fun of him. And I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, well, I th- I do think Butch sort of brings some of it on himself by almost trying to to 
overly talking cliches. I mean, like you said, every coach does that, but if he would just be a normal person, I mean, you know, we, I've spoken with Butch in a casual setting. I mean, we had a sat and had a meal together and he was a normal person, you know, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Somebody could give this advice to all coaches though. Hey, just right. act like a regular human. And people right. like, he wasn't like, Woody, are you a, just attack that chicken one bite at a time? You know, like he, he wasn't, talk, wasn't talking like that. He was just, we were just having a normal conversation, you know? So I think that could be used a little bit because, you know, the, the statement that, that Nick got a good laugh about, what was it, Nick? We, we just did everything right. We just didn't score touchdowns. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the headline that's been given. That's what Rob was talking about. Right. So that got a laugh and then, you know, but it was fake, right? Like, well, it was a paraphrase. It was pretty accurate. I mean, but the the main problem is you have, you know, the champions of life, the leadership reps, which I knew what he, every time, you know, what he's trying to say, it's just like, you know, as a Tennessee fan, you see them on, you know, on uh, volquest.com, our Tennessee site, you see them just kind of like, almost like, you know, it's a it's a it's a head smack or whatever you want to call facepalm. Yeah, if Nick Saban was like talking about leadership reps, nobody would make fun of him. Right, exactly. Well, and you have guys come out like like you said, like Nick Saban or who else? They say all types of different things. So, you know, I don't know. It's a it's a it's an interesting situation. It's just like if he would just say, you know, man, we we really needed that one. We just needed to score. I mean, we just couldn't punch it in. You know, blah blah blah. I just the problem is the local media there it's just killing him. I mean, it, it, and that sometimes happens when you have a lot of people covering a team who you know maybe are close to the team or went to the school or whatever that they almost become, you know, the voice of the angry fan, and and you're seeing that in terms of you know the way he's getting killed for everything he says, every decision he makes. Sometimes you, you know they're just not good. The bottom line is they're not very good. That's, um, that is true. And that's just, you know, there's nothing he can do. They don't have good players. This is, they, you look at the, go back and look at the, as I mentioned, they look at how many seniors they have. Well, on their but, but they'll say, but they'll say that's his fault too. Well, it is. I mean, that is his fault. It is his fault. <laughs> and they don't, so. and, and, you know, if, and when he gets fired, I mean, Rob and I may or may not have several articles kind of explaining what went on on some missed evaluations and stuff like that, because, you have to look at that. You can't look at a guy like Tyrell Dodson in Texas A&M, who might be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, who was ranked as a four-star, who's from Nashville. Nick Nick and I went to his school. I got in an argument with his principal. He, uh, that was the kid? I remember that. He, he didn't even get offered by Tennessee. How can you not offer that kid? And you say... This is where, you know, oh, Woody, you think you know more than the coaches. Well, it's like anybody who saw Tyrell Dodson at any point from the time he, you know, was a sophomore in high school on up, realized that this is a, you know, a physical specimen linebacker prospect. How could you pass on him? Oh, he's too slow. It's like, well, you know, he won the game for him on, you know, on a Saturday against Florida with a game-winning interception. I mean, he's making all types of plays. He's a sophomore. He's probably going to be end up being a t- – going to the top three rounds of the draft, and I ranked him too low even as a four-star. So they didn't even offer him. You can say, okay, look, you missed on a guy. That happens. Everyone's going to miss on a guy. You can't not offer guys who are ranked that high right in your own backyard, and I think in the end that's going to be what looks bad. But, you know, I'm with you. Rob and I do the same. Sometimes we get so caught up in being on Twitter and seeing these lame jokes and stuff like that. That Well, and to, and to circle back to, to, to Gruden specifically, I mean – I, I don't I wouldn't want him he he hasn't coached in a decade. He hasn't coached in two decades in college. Like I I don't know if if I'm Tennessee, if I would want him to be the guy at this point. Like but Gruden can't if he wanted to get back into college coaching hypothetically, you're gonna you're gonna throw him right into a top power five, you know, con- conference team and expect him to do a good job after he's been you know, out of the I'm in the Nick. broadcast booth for so yeah. long. Yeah, and the other thing, the other side of this coin is, and this is weird for a guy that covers recruiting in college football. If you're a coach like John Gruden and you've got a name that can get you an NFL job, why would you want to recruit? What a pain! Like, just go work in the NFL. Like, you're going to get paid more money, and you don't have to kiss butt to high schoolers all year. I, I don't understand the appeal. If, if you can coach in the NFL, well, and you I can think- coach at college and not have to recruit. I am 100 always going to coach in the NFL. I, I think I think people look at that that thing that he does before the draft where he sits down with the quarterbacks and 
whiteboards and everything and and sees his interaction with with young players and probably you know draw a conclusion that that would be equivalent to him being a good recruiter but I, I would just have to see like what he brings to the table now as a coach I mean he's just been I mean obviously we know his whole playbook now from every time he calls a, <laughs> a game on TV but but uh <laughs> other than that well I, I uh I I wouldn't hire John Gruden. I don't think he would be a good college coach. I said it. So, you know, put that on your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I just, I don't like his shtick on TV. He does the thing before the draft, which is fine. We saw him on hard knocks and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you could tell how much he misses football. Well, if he missed it so much, he would have taken a job, you know, back coaching. I, I just think, it, you know, for him to just go to college after A, not being a college coach and B, not coaching for 10 years or whatever. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. I think if you're Tennessee, you can do a lot better. I'd be, I think you're way better off hiring, you know, a guy, like I said, like Jeff Scott or someone who's an up and coming coordinator, who's going to kind of reinvigorate the program, a young, energetic guy. And I just think Gruden shtick is, you know, he's obviously visible because he's on TV, but it's like, guess what? How did it work out when the Warriors hired Mark Jackson? You know, uh, I just, you know mama there goes that man (laughs) here comes that man here whatever yeah exactly so anyway all right moving on speaking of coaches and speaking of texas a&m and tyrell dodson one rumor that we saw kicking around uh late last week on the internet was that texas a&m could be ramping up to go after james franklin and i thought that was an interesting name to pop up uh and we saw the penn states preparing to you know keep him or whatever which is you know obviously Franklin is going to be, you know, a relatively hot name as he's had another good season. But I was curious. I said, why, why Texas? Why would he go to Texas A&M? And then I get a text message from Nick saying, Hey, I just ran into James Franklin at this football game. (laughs) So, uh, in Texas, coincidentally. So, so give us a rundown of that, Nick, and, and tell us what you think of the possibility of, uh, him being a candidate if that job indeed does come open down there, which I'm not so sure it's going to anymore. Well, you, I mean, you know, you, you and me talked about it too. Like, I don't, I don't see how that's a, a positive move forward for James Franklin as far as his coaching career is concerned. I mean, if I'm, if I'm him and I'm doing well at Penn State, I mean, Penn State is every bit the premier storied program Texas A&M has ever been. Like, there's no, I, I just see that as a lateral movement. I don't think that there's any other other than other than if they pay him more. I'm, I'm not really sure what the, what the major motivation would be for him to go there. And that's 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 his, the bottom line with me. I don't think it needs to go any further than that. I guess money would be the money would be the main motivation. But I think Penn State would pay him whatever he wants to get paid. I mean, Penn State was you know one one or two plays away from being in the college football playoff last year. They're having a good season this year. He's got ties. I mean, you know, he went to East Stroudsburg College, wherever that is. <laughs> Anybody have it? Can you, can you guys guess where that that is? I have no idea. Strasbourg, East Strasbourg sounds like one of the German uh, minor league hockey teams I used to be dealing with. <laughs> and I'll look that up while we're talking. But anyway, you know he made his he made his living up at Maryland. That's kind of where he made a name for himself. Uh, he was with Rob at it's Kansas in Pennsylvania. State. Oh, it is in Pennsylvania. See, so it's like he's from I there. Gonna New, I was going to say New Jersey, but I saw it was close-ish. He's, Right. He's from Lang's Langhorn, Pennsylvania. So why would you leave and go to Texas? Your whole thing is tied up there. I think it's a fun rumor. I think it's, you know, he's not going, he's going to get a raise. He's going to get a big that. raise. Yeah. Maybe he started it. <laughs> yeah. he could get and I would not put what, that past him. What did you think, Nick? What was that interaction like with coach Franklin? I know you, you know, you've only been in this uh, job as an analyst for a certain time. So you're still meeting some coaches. So what was it like bumping into him and having him uh, know who you were and, things of that nature yeah well I mean I mean it was brief but uh because he was there we were both at the Saxe and Garland game and Isaiah Humphreys who's been a highly ranked three-star uh safety for uh for some time now he was obviously playing in that game for Saxe and so so he was out there uh just checking him out even though there really wasn't much to see I mean Garland was not a very good team so he didn't wasn't asked to do a whole lot but uh which probably prompted Franklin to come over and start talking to me but um but but yeah, I mean, most co- I've seen Matt Rule out on the sidelines. I've seen uh, you know a couple other coaches here and there, and most of the time, um, coaches see the rivals' uh, gear that I'll that I'll wear to games or whatever, and kind of 
you know, not not that they purposely try to keep their distance, but I, you know, I can I can get the vibe that they don't want like you know to get into a conversation with a goober reporter about this or that, and uh, so I usually let them be. And I'm shooting a lot of video anyway, but but uh, but Coach Franklin made a point to come over and introduce himself and. Um, when I told, when I said, Hey, I'm Nick Kruger, he goes, I know who you are. Look at all your stuff. And, um, you know, and then he was also, he was also there with, uh, Tim Banks, who's the co-defensive coordinator. And I talked a little bit more with him about some things, but, uh, but you know, it was just a, a pleasant exchange. He seemed like a really nice guy, much taller in person than I would have expected. Yeah. Sneaky tall, as they say. Um, <laughs> I remember, yeah, I- <laughs> I've had uh, similar interactions, and it's weird. It's weird sometimes to see which coaches will talk to you, which coaches don't. I had a coach uh, who's a as an SEC defensive coordinator right now who who kind of told me uh, uh, I was talking to some other people, and then they introduced me to him. He said, I, I, "I'm not talking to you." <laughs> All right. and I said flat out. <laughs> I said, "Who said I wanted to talk to you?" Which I don't think he expected me to say that back to. <laughs> Nobody ever expects a Womack rebuttal to be uh, to be me. He's like, "I don't mess with rivals." I was like, "All right, well, walk off then." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you wow. get me. It's like I'm going to get through one episode with not without making fun of football coaches, but I'm going to not do this. I, I have things I want to say, and I'm just not going to. let's go forward well the the issue is like nick said there are so many guys who do our job who you know we don't even want to talk to them let alone you know (laughs) imagine how college football coaches there to recruit i mean and there are other guys you have relationships with and kind of know you're one of the good ones or whatever and they'll they'll sit and chat with you and you can get all types of good stories out of them and, and, and information so I never blame a coach for not wanting to talk to me. Like Nick said, if you know if they see the rivals, Garris, maybe they avoid you. But uh, yeah, to be like to be introduced to me and then say that it was a little bit, uh, you know, puzzling. And guess what? Shocker! His team is not doing so hot this year. So, <laughs> um, and he got fired from the job he was in when I met him. Uh, you know, so that narrows down the list. He did get another job. But- so good for him. Now, moving on, Miami. We want to talk about uh, the Hurricanes, one of our uh, best audiences in terms of the podcast analytics. They love to hear the show. Uh, they love to hear Rob uh, ruin their recruits' lives by ranking them low. So As a four-star. Right, exactly. So so the Hurricanes right now undefeated. They had some drama early in the year with all these uh, Hurricanes and, and, and whatnot, you know, messing with their schedule. But they win again. They pull one out against Georgia Tech. Yeah, they've been doing it in come from behind fashion. So, Rob, what's been your opinion of of the way Miami started the year? What kind of impact could it have on recruiting? Can they maintain it? What do you think? This it's exactly what they needed. This is uh, you talk about stars aligning. I said before the season started that this class that they've assembled, which is going to be a top five class, I'm pretty sure, would fall apart if they could not find a way to maintain it on the field. And they have, and this is perfect. I mean, they can afford to lose some games, and they will. They're not going to go undefeated. Uh, but they've done enough already to kind of put everybody at ease. I think that there was at least some sentiment of these kids that are all committed there in this great recruiting class that, okay, we're hopeful about this program. We want to go to Miami if all things are equal. Let's not have Miami screw this up. And they have not. Uh, this They needed this season. And now they've had it. And now they're going to lock up. I mean, sure, you know, you're going to lose some guys before signing day. Every school does. But I think they're going to lock up the main guys. I think this class is going to be a top five class at the end. And this is the kind of foundation now where it starts to get a little bit scary around the state. Uh, especially when you look at Tallahassee, what's happening there. They could lose some guys. They're not having a very good recruiting year. Uh, this is It's lined up so perfectly for Miami, everything, uh, from <laughs> just the way they've won some of these games. And I'm not going to say luck because you know you make your own luck uh, to the recruiting class they have, to everything falling apart in Tallahassee a little bit, to Florida being shaky. This is it. If they can't capitalize on this long term, then they can't capitalize on anything. This is, you know, everything coming up hurricanes right now. And it's 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 got to be great if you're a Miami fan. Yeah, you mentioned Florida struggling. Florida State is struggling mightily. And Florida State has really been the th- Florida State's been the one that's been down there taking the best players in my and, and maybe Alabama, obviously. But I think they got it rolling now. I mean, you know, you said it's going to be tough for them to go undefeated, especially, you know, with the loss of Mark Walton. Yeah, they're not there yet, but they've shown signs that they may be there sooner than later. Right, but were they they supposed to be there this year, though? So it's like, yeah, they're ahead of, in my opinion, they're ahead of progress. Maybe their fans feel differently, but. 
Yeah, their fans are, you know, probably going to find, you know, I just spent five minutes saying how great Miami is and how great the future is. And I'm sure I will still get 10 tweets telling me I'm a Miami hater. And that's fine. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, man, it's I can see this team playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. And if they do that, they're going to have this top five class. And next year's class is off to a nice start, too. Florida State's a disaster. They're not getting the kids out of Florida or out of South Florida this year, for sure. This class doesn't look very good, especially within state talent. Uh, next year, they're a little bit behind the eight ball, too, because Miami's already off to a hot start. And so is Florida to some extent. It's it's really snowballing here. And it, it, the, the luckier they get on the field, um, you know, like I said, I think you make your own luck. Uh, they've won some close games. I don't think they need to go undefeated, though. I think they can afford to drop two or three games and still maintain this momentum long term. Yeah, boy, Billy Zane, Titanic, you forgot to say, when a real man makes his own luck. <laughs> no, I completely, uh, you know, I think I subconsciously quoted that. I haven't seen that movie in decades. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch if they can keep it rolling, see what happens on the recruiting trail. It's It's... It's interesting. Miami can be scary when they get things going. I mean, I think they're filling up the stadium now. Uh, things are kind of exciting. Yeah, things are happening down there. And that's what you hired Mark Rick to do. It's amazing what happens when you get a competent coach, how quickly things can turn around. I mean, and that's why we see so much, you know, who's on the hot seat, who's not on the hot seat. It's because a great coach can change everything in a hurry. I mean, look at Purdue. You know, they go from doormat to maybe a bowl team in one year and what changed i mean really just the head coach it's not like they got an influx of talent so how about this thick gray goatee that rick is sporting i know that gundy's mullet gets all the all the pub but i mean mark rick looked like he could be like you know playing the acoustic guitar at your local brewery uh these days i love that i don't know where this came from it gets thicker and thicker every week and it's gray it's like he's like the cool history teacher that also plays guitar at the bars on campus on the side well i <laughs> <laughs> you know more about that than me uh <laughs> those are your type of haunts those definitely are my type of haunts all right time for a little uh womack fact check a quick segment boy uh this one was sent to me by several people um this one it shows you the popularity of the womack fact check segment uh, our boy chuck james sent it over i saw on twitter correct yeah speaking of which i, I thought i favorited some of those tweets and i can't seem to find them um, so I know you favored him, so maybe you can can find uh, find exactly uh, what happened because he had, he had made some references to you. Um, anyway, during the Florida Texas A and M game, the crew of uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who it is. It's Beth Mullins, and I, I don't know who the color. Maybe it's Anthony Beck. Is it Anthony Beck again? Uh, uh, of Jets tight end fame. I think. Yeah, it if is. it's him again, we're, we're have we've had a lot of issues with him. Um, Anyway, I, I don't know if it's him or not. But anyway, she they, uh, the running back for Florida, Malik Davis, that's his name, correct, Rob? Correct. He's having a big game. He's having a great season. And all of a sudden, what, what do you think happens? Uh, they start talking about his recruitment. And of course, Rob, what did, they, what did they have to say about him? They said, I believe nobody wanted this kid. Which, is, Which was the but, quote. A statement that you really drives you crazy when you do my job, and maybe people don't care, but based on the tweets, I think I think they do care. This is a guy who was ranked as a four star, the number sixteen overall running back in the country. And if you look at his offer list, let's just roll down it. Okay, we got you know Florida. He's he's basically got twenty five Power Five offers: Oregon, Miami, West Virginia, Pitt, Mizzou. Maryland, uh, Louisville, you know, who, who you want. You know? A lot of it, and I'll say this in defense, and not really in defense because it's still an awful statement. A lot of those came on late. Um, he still had, even when Florida signed him, he had more than 10 offers when Florida got a commitment from him, I should say. And then they really poured on towards the end. So it's not like all of those were uncommittable either because these were late offers. People wanted him. People were trying to get him to flip late in the process. Right. So, so I'm trying to see uh, – who, you know, the initial commitment story, who he committed to uh, over finalists, Miami and North Carolina. So I would consider that that was when he committed and in October of last year, almost a year ago. So, you know, for us to say nobody wanted him, I mean, it's a classic situation where and maybe it is the coaches during the meetings, during the broadcast saying, hey, we got this guy, nobody wanted him. But it's like 
It takes just just do just do a little research before the games, guys. I don't want to blame Beth because she wasn't the one that said it. It was the it was the analyst. I can't find out who it was right now, but uh, it was the guy that committed. Malik Davis committed to Florida the day after Darius Lemons got kicked off his high school team and decommitted briefly. So he was like the fill-in, and then they ended up taking they ended up taking Davis uh, and Lemons, but they, they took him the day after, and that's when his recruitment exploded. Yeah, so, so, so there you have it. it. It's it was a it was an interesting thing. It was where they shook out, but Malik Davis, people wanted it, people love it. So moving on. Now wait, wait, wait! But before we move on, can I try and introduce a new segment myself here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, go, going off script. Um, and I and I texted this to you. I don't know if you I don't know if you gave it a listen to or not, but maybe this is something we can get rolling. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, recruits in your region are like, but I was I was uh, DM'd a rap song. Uh, Yes. <laughs> made by recruits do you guys want to hear some of it of course what are you what are you asking for <laughs> okay all right all right i'm gonna try this i hopefully hopefully this doesn't crash the entire podcast but uh but anyway this is uh this is a uh, called sexy you from the aforementioned game that i was at this is a uh, four-star quarterback jalen maiden rapping about not getting enough playing time because his team is so good yeah, we sexy you. Yeah, you know it's smooth. Ain't played four quarters yet. I played two. It's crazy because we got no competition. Because we stay winning just in case you wasn't listening. In the West State, we don't hesitate. Been playing the same. Sorry, kiss since the eighth grade. But it's cool because we run in district. Six games, let it stay still is the mission. Last year, we run. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, who listen, came in on the, somebody came in with a hook. Who is that? They came on after him with the melody. Uh, well, there, no, that's like a whole. There's like a whole nother here. Let's now see you if can start. So they can play us out. Yeah, it'll, it'll play us out. I think you know, as far as high schoolers rapping about football goes, which you know isn't exactly a populated genre with good stuff. That's you know that that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Yeah, I think we should. I think I think the aforementioned Isaiah Humphreys was the one that came up with the beat for that, and then. Uh, each of them, there, there was like three players that took a verse on there, but that's just a small sampling. You can find it on SoundCloud uh, <laughs> as well. But, but, I, but I, I think, I think we should, I think we should uh, encourage uh, kids to send us their trash talking rap songs, and maybe we'll play them I on air. I have one. Mac Jones, the the quarterback at Alabama, recorded a rap. Oh my gosh! He recorded oh a rap <laughs> last year. Uh, he would now he'd probably be so embarrassed. But if I can find it, we can play it on an episode. I remember, he, yeah, he uh, sent it to me. If we call, if we called Mac right now and said, "Hey, we're giving your rap song from a year ago some playtime," he'd be all about it. Right, he'd be. He happy. would love well, it. The, my critique I'm of that rap, right now. My my critique of that rap song would be, Jalen, you don't need that. Auto, just rap. Don't you don't need that auto tune, whatever that is. You know what I mean? Just just flow, spit fire, right? I loved it when he said that he was playing the same kid since eighth grade and just has been beating him consistently. Yeah, that, ever was, since. that was pretty good. It does remind me, Nick, of a famous song, which maybe we'll have to play down the road in that segment, uh, by the Immokalee football team of House oh, Rock. How could we uh, not? How could we not? Which, uh, boy, talk talk about it, Rob. This song was this song was so good. It had such a catchy hook that I would have it stuck in my head. So uh, we'll have to see if we can't dig that I'm up. Yeah, the, the high schoolers rapping genre is not a great one usually, but I was impre- I was impressed there by by Maiden. Yeah, so big shout. All right, now it's time. I wouldn't have played it. I wouldn't have played it if it was. Well, maybe I would have, but <laughs> it's way better than Max. I'll tell you that much. All right, now it's time for uh, tweet of the week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Uh, this tweet, this week's tweet comes from Rob. You suggested it, right? So you, why don't you read it out for us? Cause yeah, I, I put it on, I put it on there because it's, uh, it's our boy, Isaiah Bolden, who's committed to Oregon, who may or may not eventually end up at Florida state. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Anyway, He's not even on his own high school team. We should point out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was also removed from his high school team. So I don't know what's really happening there with Isaiah, but I do know he does not like clowns. Isaiah tweets Halloween around the corner. Please don't try me with this clown mess because it's hands on sight if I see one running my way. Which, you know, I'm with you, Isaiah, man. If a clown's chasing after me, I'm also throwing hands. It is, it is too hands on sight. Oh, hands on sight. Well, and it's not that I'm scared of clowns. It's that anybody's running my way, it's hands on sight. I, I don't care if you're a clown or otherwise. Yeah, I do remember uh, Khalil McKenzie on uh, on Tennessee famously when Snapchat uh, introduced that scary face feature. Him having a similar tweet <laughs> yeah. that 
you send me that scary face, you're going to get blocked. I don't care how hot you are. <laughs> I remember so, that. <laughs> that was a good one. So that's a, a similar vein. Uh, I totally, I totally agree with that, with that one. So, so Mac in true Mac fashion responds to the text. Ha ha ha. I did a rap. Like, yeah, you did. <laughs> the, I had it. So he apparently has no yeah. recollection of his rap. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not surprising. No, because yeah, he's pretending like he never did it, but we, yeah. Mac, we're going to, we're coming for you. That song is going to be on the air. I will week. find it, Mac Jones. I will find it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's move on. But time is, uh, time keeps on ticking. Uh, Rancid recommendations time. This week, um, I really don't have a whole lot of complaints other than, you know, the city of Charleston, but. <laughs> We can leave that for our travel podcast where I make fun of places I visit. So, uh, Nick. We could have subscribers there, Woody. Right, exactly. Nick, it appears you have a rant. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take it? Because I think this one can be a good one. Well, this is a quick one. I, I'm not sure if I. I'm not sure if it's quite what you expect based on the on the short description on the rundown. But listen, here's the deal. So yeah, so I was coming home from I was coming home from running some errands uh, yesterday morning. Uh, thought that, you know, thought that I would stop into Torchy's Tacos, pick up a couple of quick, uh, you know, tacos as, as people from around here are familiar with. It's a good place to eat. So I'm walking. So I come in and it's just me. I, I'm, I'm coming in. Imagine, imagine the door to the restaurant. I'm coming in from the right side. There's a group of five, which looked like te- University of Texas students coming from the left. Five of them, one of me. We're approaching the door at the same time, but they make the move to open the door and all five of them go in in front of me. And it's like, you know, when you're at a grocery store and you have like just a gallon of milk or something and somebody, somebody else around you has like, you know, 18 things in their cart, they'll let you go because you're just buying just the one milk. I mean, the, the fact, the gall of this group all five of them to walk in, you know, and three of them were girls. And of course they're looking at the menu and like, Oh, I don't know. I want the queso or I love tacos. I have a shirt. I, I taco. I'll look at that. Shirt. Yeah. They sell shirts and torches. If you're familiar I with know Woody, they're all looking at those. we're going to have I to mean, cut this. Just go, just going through it. And it's like, hello. Like I could have had my order in my hands by the time you guys, you know, would have even decided what you wanted. I mean, just common courtesy. I falls by the wayside in today's generation. Millennials, I've had enough of them, flat out. <laughs> Jesus, it's it's taco law, Nick. First come, first serve. You can't take yeah, it. But we were there the at the same time. I mean, I'm just saying, like, like University of Texas. Let's get a, a common courtesy class for one credit hour. That's you know, part of the curriculum added into the whole thing. Yeah. You know what? Nick is right. This is classic millennial behavior. Oh, Jesus. I'm totally on your side. <laughs> you guys realize that you're both millennials, correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, apparently not. Apparently not. Because if that's how they if, if this is how it's gonna if this is how it's gonna be, forget about it. I've aged myself out of the demographic. Yeah. My rant is that this podcast sucks. Wow. <laughs> well <laughs> all right then. Come on, take up for your own generation here, fellas. Well, no. I mean get out They're of here. not my generation. Get out of here. Here's the issue. What you, you can't pick your own generation, Kruger. I mean, even if you are an old soul, I mean you're still a millennial. Your birthday dictates that. But he's right. You would be so pissed. You know how mad you get at situations like that? Yeah, you're right. You would be mad. They they're sitting there taking photos of the menu and you know putting it on their no, my space it, it's a it's a, tra- it's a it's a garbage move <laughs> speaking of which i cannot find this tweet uh from this from this guy the other day rob you've got your likes hidden i think um, i can't find him no i don't i can't find him either i'm in here looking at him i can't i can't find it either it must have been deleted he must have deleted also it. mac now remembers the rap he says okay. that he will try to find it and send it to us again all right, so so great rant, Nick. That boy. Now we are compiling uh, for a special episode the best all time rants. We're counting on you, the audience, to give us suggestions. Because uh, right, so I'm definitely not going back and listening to all eighty episodes for the best rants. That's not right. going to happen. So we need recommendations. I've sure. never listened to an episode of this podcast after we recorded. Oh, really? <laughs> I forget about it. So I have no idea what's even there. I I, I know that there were several episodes when it was just you and I, Woody, and then we added Nick in like a limited role in an interim basis, and he earned a full time roster spot after that. 
And that's really all I know about the podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, according to you, this podcast sucks. So we don't blame you for not listening. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is my rant. Is this podcast that I'm on is the worst thing in the world. All right. Now, Nick, you got a quick recommendation. Why don't we go ahead and, and bang it out and then we'll go to Rob and then I'll give mine. We'll wrap her up. All right. Okay. I, I'm not sure what the policy is on on recommending a possibly uh, competing <laughs> competing web service. Maybe not. On, on, on Amazon, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, I've just started delving into the video uh, collection that they have available there because, you know, we, we've recommended lots of Netflix stuff and, uh, you know, lots of people can find Netflix stuff. Everybody has Netflix. So, uh, but I was watching The Tick. It's only uh, the, the, the new, the new uh, season of The Tick is only six episodes and it's surprisingly uh intelligent slash irreverent slash well well produced very funny i i was i was much more taken and drawn into it than i thought i would be uh holds a little bit of a special place in my heart because i used to watch the tick animated series when i was younger and it was on fox on saturday mornings as i recall uh so seeing it in live and and done very well uh, for a streaming web service was pretty impressive. So I recommend watching it. I feel like, is this the third version of that TV show? Yeah, I was a, it is because I know there was one that was on USA or a network like it because it used to come on when I was a kid after wrestling. And I remember it existing and watching it a little bit and enjoying it. Yeah, the guy, I think, because they, they have that on Amazon too. The, the It was like a 1990 uh, live yeah, action series. Yeah, I remember it had Patrick show. Warburton in it. And I think he did the voice on the cartoon as well, if I... But this one, this this new one is is done really well with some funny characters. Everybody, the good guys and bad guys alike, are all funny and uh, enjoyable to watch. So, right, what a what a genre! Who would have thought the Tick would have had three TV shows? There was there was there was a live action one previously. There was the cartoon, and now there's another live action one. So I've seen the previous work. Amazon Prime does have some good content, including. Uh, I believe that's where I watched The Man in the High Castle. That is on there. Yeah, they have that and they have, uh, I believe, Transparent is on there, which is also very good. Yeah, exactly. All right. What do you got, Nick? Or uh, excuse me, Rob, what's yours? I've got a podcast. I've got Life Behind Bars. It's a uh, it's a Daily Beast podcast. It's if you're a degenerate like me and like to spend time in bars, it is a podcast about bars and bar culture and uh, the history of spirits. And it's interesting, and it can make you sound smart at dinner parties. And the guys there, I think, are very funny and very enlightened and interesting dudes that, you know, if you're into being a degenerate and sitting around and drinking in bars uh, like I am, it's, it's a good podcast to listen to. All right. I have a must-watch. This is not, you know, this is not The Tick. This is not Life Behind Bars. This is a shut off this podcast and go watch this show right now. It's been out for a couple of weeks on Netflix. It's called American Vandal. Nick, have you watched it yet? No, not yet. It is. I was watching the tick. Well, guess what? <laughs> tick off because we, <laughs> we've got we've got an all time classic American television show. I'm talking Emmy worthy. I'm talking you name it. This is show American Vandal is a uh, shot almost like a making the murderer type uh, TV show, except it's a comedy about a high school student who vandalizes teachers' cars by uh, drawing inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't want to say that. Of <laughs> you can say hey, it's a part of the anatomy. You can say the word <laughs> on this podcast. No, you can't. We're adults here. Yes, <laughs> you can. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, Nick. It's just more work for you. No, I don't well, think you I'm have gonna... to cut it. I'm telling you, it's not like we use the same term. It. Yeah, it's it's a, it's that's an adult term. It, I am just going to bleep it. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to bleep it. So anyway, okay, Good way to go, Rob. Uh, it's I, a. Uh, it's a great I'll push back against this one. Okay. It's a great show. Have you watched it or no? No. Rob? No, absolutely not. I will though. The writing is, I mean, spot on. You know, Nick, you will love it. Considering the amount of true crime uh content you've been consuming as of late, I would highly recommend watching it. I could not stop laughing. Uh it was a great show. So right up my alley if you like sh shows like uh I don't know, maybe like kind of like the Office, you know, it's a mockumentary style, but it's it's very very funny. So highly recommend. Do they so, talk to the camera? Does like like The Office? They don't. Well, they talk to the camera, but not to a the kid. The kid who is making the the kid who's making the documentary is heavily involved. You know, it's not like they're talking to nobody behind the camera. Like House of Cards or something. It's basically like Sarah Kane. You know, imagine Sarah Kaning. 
That's what you've got. Except you've got a, it's a teenage kid who's helping investigate this thing. I was hoping it was a reality show where a kid is just like vandalizing real things and <laughs> recording it and trying not to get captured by the police. Well, it's wow. it's way better than that. It it it's it's a great show. I I I love it. I'm all in. Um, so so watch that. Uh, let's see where are we at time wise. We should probably wrap wrap things up. Yeah, we're at 55 minutes here. So uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I do have some some wacky stories. Uh, we'll save those for a slower time, including me. I, I, for what I'm some, that you have wacky stories. Some real hotel checkout drama. Well, you know what? Let's tell the story. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bonus time. Bonus. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, so I was staying at a hotel in Knoxville about, I don't know, maybe 10 days ago. And, you know, Nick can relate to this as we've had this issue. Sometimes, you know, you travel as much as we do. You get up in the morning, you start trying to do some work and, you know, time catches up with you. Next thing you know, it's almost checkout time at, at noon and you haven't taken a shower yet. So I decide, okay, I'm going to jump in the shower about 11.53, right? That gives me enough time to, I'm already packed, take a quick shower, I'm out of here still by noon. As I take all my clothes off and go to get in the shower, I hear a knock on the door. It's like 11.55 now. And I'm like, yeah, and she's, you know, this is housekeeping. And I was like, okay, I have the, I have the D and D sign on the door. As we know, uh, if they have that sign, they're not going to knock. Well, she said, ah, oh, you need to check out checkouts at 12. And I was like, well, it's not 12 yet. I'm taking a shower. Well, you got to call the front desk. And I'm like, you know, okay, lady, whatever. I understand. She's trying to turn the rooms around. I jump in the shower, in the shower. I hear the phone ring once. I get out of the shower and I'm drying off and it starts ringing again. I answer it. Uh, yeah, sir, this is the front desk. We just want to remind you checkout time is at 12 o'clock. And it was like at this point, 12.02. And I told him, I said, if you, I said, I would already be out of this room if you guys would stop bothering me. <laughs> and I may have used some other language involved in that. That's a legitimate, that's exactly what I would have said though. That's a, that's a great <laughs> counterpoint. So I, so I hang up the phone. I finished packing. I walk out of the room at 12.07, okay, which I understand. I'm now in violation of the policy. I'm also a Diamond member, which anybody could see by checking. I, that, that, shouldn't that give you automatic late checkout? Well, though? you have and... to ask for it. If, if you ask for it, they'll give it to you most times if they can or whatever. So, so I walk out in the hall and, it, you know, I'm fired up now, obviously. You know my personality. So I go to get on the elevator and what do I see but an empty towel cart, you know, the yellow cart where they throw in all the dirty laundry. <laughs> so as I get on the elevator, I pull said cart with me into the elevator. I go down to the bottom. I was staying on like the third floor of a seven floor hotel. And uh, when I got to the bottom, I just hit up and hit seven and sent the, the thing up to the top as payback, right? Such a petty retribution. So I everybody underestimates the pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> the pettiness. I mean, my God. Even for you. Even for you. The pettiness of that is really um, mind blowing. So I so well you may you may flip to my side when you hear the rest of the story. No, I'm definitely on your side. That doesn't make it any less petty though. I'm always Team Womack. So I walk out to the valet stand, which they made me valet my car, even though it was, you know, uh, it was 10 feet away, right? I could see my, I could just walk to it. But the valet guy was cool. So I, I started talking to him and he said, uh, oh, so I'll go get your car. I was like, oh, I was surprised you didn't have it already up here with the way they're trying to kick me out of this hotel today. <laughs> and of course he was like, what do you mean? And then I told him the story. And as I'm mid story, I'm like, and he's like, man, that's crazy, you know? Here walks a, you know, a middle-aged woman of, you know, relative, relative class, looks like a nice lady. And I said to you, I said, I said, did you just leave your room? It's 12.15 at this point. She says, yeah, I just walked out and came right down here. And I was like, did you have late checkout? And she goes, no. And I said, did they, did they call your room and tell you to leave? And she goes, no, why would they do that? <laughs> so... So clearly, I was targeted. Of why course. I have, why I have no idea. But here you have another woman leaving later than me by ten minutes, and she was totally like, "Nah, what are you talking about?" All right, so that wraps it up. You got a bonus, uh, crazy Woody Woody's wacky story of the week for more wacky stories. Ask me because I got I got boy I got a 
I got a ton of them. Nick's, Nick's, Nick's lived, Nick and Rob have both lived them, and uh, I could tell them every week. So please leave us a review on iTunes. We, like I said, we got some feedback. We had feedback on Twitter. I don't know where it went. It was, it was from one of Rob's uh, socialist friends, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, from a guy that I've actually not, I don't know, but I've gotten to know on Twitter over the years, and is a really nice, uh, a nice, you know, DSA member. Yeah. So, so, uh, oh, he, he's. Uh, I DS- What's DSA stand for? Democratic Socialist, buddy. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought it was. I don't, the, I don't know if he's actually a socialist. Don't strain. He is the nice guy that I do enjoy. Our Oregon side is Duck Sports Authority, so I thought. Uh, <laughs> I thought well, that. you know, the official Twitter emoji for the DSA is a rose. So if you see anybody with the rose emoji in their name, it means they're a good socialist uh, person that wants to redistribute the wealth in this country. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> You know I'm just landing on thick now, right? Like I have to play this character. I have to lean into it. Well, anyway, for Rob Socialist Podcast, you can find that on uh I don't know what. I was trying to think of the name of that that newspaper. It, it, it's a new it's a new thing that you guys don't know. What about. was that communist newspaper that used to be like people would read? I am unfamiliar, shockingly. There's something. It was an episode of Seinfeld about it, I believe, when George put a personal ad in in uh <laughs> In the, uh, anyway, all right, that wraps it up. We're going long now. So please leave us a review on iTunes. And guess what? Uh, M. Deuce getting bumped from the show at the end again. Uh, so we're going to have Jalen Maiden uh, and who, you know, I don't want to get started. Isaiah Humphreys, Chris Washington, big shot. Yeah, they can Texas they didn't recruits. send me the rapper names. Are we sure they recorded this? Because, you know, there's been some confusion about when they say things, when they say things on the record. So I just want to. Y'all don't have nothing to say. Take our Elmo out the way. We're not going easy today. We're going hard, we don't play. Yes, we on a mission. Sorry, y'all sound is missing. Sax you away, uh, yeah, we different. This sax you, you, this sax you, you, we're the best in Texas. Way what are you? Yeah, this sax you, you, this sax you, you, we hope to get some competition real soon. Yeah.